Hey, this is Dan Wunderlich from Defining Grace, and welcome to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. This is episode 21, and my guest today is Adam Weber, the founding and lead pastor at Embrace Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Embrace was recently named the fastest-growing United Methodist Church, and in this conversation, we talk about the role that preaching plays in his community. And a quick note before we begin, the internet is an amazing tool, especially when it can facilitate conversations and podcasts like this, but every Every once in a while, it isn't functioning quite up to speed. We've all had those personal and professional times where the internet is just so frustrating, and the day that I was interviewing Adam was one of those for me. So there is a little bit of garbling throughout the episode, and once I do sort of break in and summarize what Adam was saying, but overall, I think you'll still be able to really enjoy and get a lot out of this interview. And while I have your attention, he doesn't mention it in the podcast interview here because it didn't exist yet, but Adam is now the host of his own interview podcast. So you can find The Conversation with Adam Weber wherever you get your podcasts. So let's jump into my interview with Adam Weber. Well, today's guest is Adam Weber, who is the senior pastor at Embrace in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to talk to you, number one, because you're a pastor that I admire and and someone whose church is a church that I've been following, but also because I'm not sure that I've ever actually talked to someone from or currently in South Dakota. It's it's kind of crazy. We we do have running water here and electricity as well. It's nuts. Oh, that's good to know. I saw the Revenant this summer, and I was kind of imagining that perhaps that was a little bit like what uh, things were like around your place. Exactly. Not too far from it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, before we begin, would you tell us a little bit about yourself as well as your ministry and its context? Yeah. So I'm a born and raised South Dakotan. I I honestly don't think most uh, many people move here if they don't grow up here. (laughs) So originally from this, originally from the state, um, never thought I would be a pastor, honestly, even a Christian. And so I came to Christ later on in high school, went to college for business and marketing. I always thought I'd ad, end up at an ad agency of some kind, and so that's what I was pursuing. It's what I'm still passionate about, honestly, in many ways today. The summer before my senior year of college, I ended up filling in for a pastor through the craziest of circumstances. Um, within the first week, I knew I was supposed to be a pastor. I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot mm. believe this is happening to me. And so did the, the, did the fill-in job there for a pastor, finished college, went to seminary, did that. Um, going into my third and final year of seminary, a pastor from South Dakota called and said, hey, we're thinking about starting a church in Sioux Falls. What, what are your thoughts about that? And I was like, oh, God, I don't think it really needs another church. And who are you thinking of being a pastor? And he nicely, as nicely as he could, he basically said, that's why I'm calling you, you idiot. You know? And so I was like... Oh, I think this is a bad idea, but through, again, crazy set of circumstances, we end up starting the church. We're coming up on 10 years now, and three years in, we, we were struggling to break 100 in worship, and um, we switched to morning services, and one day we doubled in size and have been growing since. So now we're a church of five campuses and still have very little figured out, and so just thankful for the ride that it's been, and just cool to see God move. Yeah, one one of the reasons that I've uh, invited you to be on the program is that uh, Embrace was recently named the fastest-growing United Methodist Church, and that was a study that looks at average worship attendance over the last five years. And so first off, uh, congratulations. That's got to be really exciting to see an organization you're associated with on a list like that. It, it It's really amazing and humbling, and just 
for me, it's just so cool to, to know uh, in my heart of hearts that it's not us with clever strategy and whatever else. It, it truly is just amazing to see God move. And we just get to be a tiny part of what, what's happening. So it, it's really humbling and amazing. When I first saw it, I was like, what in the world? Is this right? Are, are you sure? <laughs> and so, so cool just to see God move. Yeah. And obviously there's so much more to church growth and health than just numbers. Uh, and so is there any part of the story of the last five years or, or any of the highlights of the last five years that you think was evidence of, of God moving in the community or evidence of you all listening to where God has called you to move in the community and might have contributed to being on a list like this? Yeah, I, I, a couple different things. First off, I, it sounds cheesy and it's what a pastor should say, but it's just the truth. I think the first thing is just telling people about Jesus in a way that they can understand and, and connect with. And I, I think people are just hungry uh, for, for God more than, more than ever. And so that's the cliche answer, but it's also the true answer. But the second thing is I think we've just been foolish enough maybe mm. to always be willing to take the next step of faith. And so it's not like we, we don't have a 10-year plan. Currently, we only have a one-year plan, honestly. And it's, so it's like, God, what, what, what steps of faith are we going to take in the next 12 months um, to radically be used by God? And so, again, if anything, it's just like we're probably really simple-minded. And then right, right, right now we're pursuing a new campus. We don't have a campus faster, and yet we're lining up everything to launch a campus this fall. And I'm like, that's completely insane on every level. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And it's again, like, I think it's just like, oh, okay, like, I don't know. We just felt like God was telling us to launch this campus. And so we're doing it, even though we don't have all the answers and everything figured out yet. And so that's probably been, that's probably been it. And if anything, I, I guess we're just so simple and maybe ignorant that we're just willing to take steps of faith, even, even if they're crazy. That's great. And as we begin to focus in on uh, preaching specifically, uh, I like to start uh, these conversations by asking, do you personally have any philosophies or approaches to preaching in general? Uh, maybe if you had a mission statement or a guiding principle for your preaching, what might it be? Wow, that's a, a good question. Honestly, a question I've never really spent much time thinking about. Um, I, I, for me, I guess in my preaching, it wouldn't be the gospel according to Adam but it would actually be the gospel. And so it's just like, God, if I can share your heart with people in a way that connects with them and makes sense, um, that would, that would be success in my eyes. And so that would probably be my, my, my mission statement. If I had one, just to, to tell people about Jesus in a way that they can understand and also to give them the true heart of God and not the heart of God, according to me. So I'm, I constantly wrestle with stuff like, Okay, Adam, don't just preach what you want to hear and what feels good to you. Like, really try to present the whole heart of God. So that would be that. That's a great question, man. That's well, that's cool. And and I'm and I'm wondering too, as someone that didn't grow up in the church or didn't see themselves uh, as a Christian or as a pastor through you know young adulthood and part of the formative years of your life. Obviously, all of our formative experiences shape how we preach. Um, but would you say that that not having seen yourself uh, identifying as a Christian or, or a pastor has factored into how you preach now? No question. That that seriously is is huge. So I grew up in the church, but literally since before I can rem remember, hated every ounce of it. Yeah. So like I, I grew up really traditional, and which is not a negative thing in itself whatsoever, but just really struggled with 
man, it feels like everyone's bored out of their minds. Mm. And I know when something's amazing in my life, it changes me. Whether it's an amazing girl or amazing car, I love old cars, or it's like a football game coming up this week. If it's amazing, it impacts me. And so I always used to think, I'm talking like four or five years old, I can remember thinking, if God is so amazing, why, why does it seem like nothing amazing is happening? Like, why do we seem embarrassed to talk about God and everybody's bored? And so that, that definitely has shaped me. And I'm also just so skeptical about everything. Like, do I really believe this? This is crazy. And so as I'm talking and sharing, I'm constantly trying to a- answer those questions. And I'm also quick to say, like, this is crazy, guys. Like, what Jesus is saying here, that is nuts. Like, oh, my goodness. And also just acknowledging steps of faith that I'm taking. Like, hey, just so you know, like, we don't have time to talk about everything. But I just want to acknowledge the step of faith that we're taking here. Like, this is a fairly big step. And I think people appreciate just that that candidness. And um, it was really cool. This last week I was in London. And somehow, some way, I'm in the bathroom with another dude at a pub. And he finds out I'm a pastor. And so he, he can't believe I'm a pastor. He, he must have asked the question seven different ways. <laughs> so you're a pastor? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a pastor. Isn't that crazy? And he's like, it kind of is. And he, did, he said that he has so many doubts and questions about God. And I said, I actually do too. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I, man, I, I have questions about all kinds of things. Like just, man, just about this and this. And I'll read a verse and I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. And he's like, are you allowed to have questions? Mm. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I said, it, it makes me come to know who God is even more. And it makes me fall more in, in love with him. And I, I, I think, it, you know, like my kids have questions of me all the time. Like, why this? Why that? And so he's like, I've never heard that before. Like, I thought in order, he said, in order to be religious, I thought you couldn't have any questions. And I'm like, no, like I have questions all the time. And so for someone like that, like, I, I think that definitely comes through in just my preaching is just like the, the questions, but also the passion. Cause for me, the, the good news about Jesus isn't just okay news or so, so news. It's the single greatest news that I, Adam Weber have ever heard. Mm. You know, it's like, I am lost, like completely lost without Jesus. And so it's not just this nice little thing I do or I'm a part of a club. It's like, no, like I'm hopeless without him. I'm naturally a restless person. Like he is my peace, you know, like he is my joy. He's my everything. And so I hope that that would come through on a Sunday as well. But I'm talking too much. So I'll go back to you. Oh, no, that's great. Yeah, I I was just going to touch on a few things there. Some of what you said falls in line a lot with a couple months ago, we talked to Rob Bell, and he said, you know, nothing that Jesus said was ever boring. And so why would anyone ever want to preach a sermon that's boring or be a part of a church service that's boring? And and so I, I think it's it's in there. There's often this dichotomy of something that's interesting and entertaining must not be serious, and that's totally not the case. You know, we all know some stand-up comedians who make extremely profound points um, through humor yeah. and through being entertaining. To jump back back into uh, preaching and its role in the community. I wanted to ask you what role you personally see preaching play in your community, your church community there at Embrace. And if you were to, I know it's uncomfortable, but if you were to put on the hat of the leader of one of the fastest growing Methodist churches,
churches. What role do you see preaching uh, being able to play in in churches and rapidly growing churches? I, I think it's a huge component. Here we always say every Sunday is the most important Sunday of the year. And so every single Sunday when it comes to preaching, we try and bring our absolute best. Even this last week, there was a guy I prayed for. Um, he had a, a brain tumor removed a few weeks back, and they just found out that they need to go back in again. Mm. And his mom brought him to church, and you could just tell physically he's really struggling. His mom brought him to church, and I, I don't think he's probably a regular church person. And I'm like, man, this is like um, this this person needs the Lord right now. I mean, if at any point in his life he needs he needs God, it's right 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 now. And so I'm like, Lord, would you? Use, I prayed for him, and then I prayed myself for him. It was just like, God, would you just? I pray the message would connect. Hey, it's Dan jumping in for a second. The internet garbled pretty bad, but. Adam went on to say that, of course, preaching is not the only way that people can experience and connect with God, especially at Embrace. Music plays a big role in the service, but every element of the service works together for the purpose of worship. But preaching holds a unique and powerful place in worship. We have the opportunity to speak to our gathered community every week. We can remind people of God's character and God's heart for us. We can remind them of our identity, who we are as broken people coming to God for healing, and who we are as the gathered church existing for those who are outside the walls of the church. He also went on to say that preaching plays an important role in the community even when he's not the one doing it. At Embrace, they like to bring in lots of different guest speakers to bring in fresh perspectives and fresh voices, and that's something that they do frequently at Embrace. Let's pick back up with the interview. Yeah, I noticed that you do uh, bring in a lot of guest voices, and I'm guessing that's a very intentional choice by you, because it would be easy for you as the founding and lead pastor to just say, this is my pulpit, I'm going to direct you know, all the messages, I'm going to direct all the direction, all the vision, uh, but you do seem to bring in a fair amount of outside voices. Yeah, and that, that was really intentional. When I look back at my seminary experience, and this is early on, when I look back at my experience in seminary, our campus pastor at the time um, had just a lot of neat random connections with, with different speakers and authors and musicians. So we have this person leading us in worship today. I'm like, no stinking way. That's amazing. <laughs> and also, years later, a, a bunch of the speakers are brought in were names that I didn't even recognize and notice. Mm. And then like three, four years later, I'm like, I would see someone write a book, and I'm like, wait a second, that's the guy who spoke <laughs> at seminary. That was amazing. And so it was so cool. Well, those guest speakers were so formative to hear from different people, different passions, different places of the world coming and sharing um, what God is doing is a powerful thing. And I think it brings a more well-roundedness to things. And so that's really the, the intention. Also for myself, like, I, I just don't have that, like, need in me to hog the spotlight. Like, there's just... You know, I always, my hope is when we have a guest here, they out-preach me all over the place. Mm. Like, I, I have no, I, and I think that should be our, our hope anytime. Like, it'd be easy to buckle to insecurity, and it's like, God, I don't, I, I don't want them to really like this person. And it's like, no, <laughs> I want them to love this person, you know? Yeah. And so my, my greatest hope is that, guest speakers would out preach me and that when we had guest speakers, people are like, man, I don't want to miss church this week because it's going to be, it's going to be something solid. And I think we've set a tone to that. I mean, we just have a very high bar in who we allow to share on a Sunday, but that absolutely does not have to be me. 
And I actually prefer it not to be me in many ways. Yeah, I actually just heard Adam Hamilton uh, interviewed on another podcast, and he talked about how um, he's uh, very slowly beginning a transition plan for their church as he's probably maybe five or 10 years away from retiring or at least stepping away from being the primary leader at that church. And he said, you know, we used to have a 40% dip in attendance on the weeks that he was gone. Um, and he is doing his best to to intentionally cycle in more speakers. And as they've done that, he's seen sort of that dip uh, shrink. And, and so I, I yep. do think that there's definitely a strategy there. And too, I know from having been an associate myself and getting to travel and guest speak at different places, the outside voice is always going to sound fresh <laughs> because it's not the one yeah. you hear every week. And uh, so it's like, you know, you know I, I try to tell folks, if I was your regular preacher, you'd like it when someone else came in too. So that's um, <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. Another really practical thing with that too, just for people, just nuts and bolts, we, fi- we figured it out with all our guest speakers that we bring in on a yearly basis. And this year we're actually bringing in some of the, some of the biggest names that we've ever had gathering all the expense of that still doesn't even get remotely close to what a normal teaching pastor would be paid. Mm. And so I think even just that approach, it's like, okay, so wait a second. Like we can have some of the greatest voices of this generation come and share at our church. And it still doesn't even get like get remotely in the ballpark of what a, a teaching pastor would cost. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And so I think that's something too, just for us to think differently in how we staff around a teaching pastor. And a teaching pastor is actually something that I'm praying will come along and embrace to come a, come alongside me on a more regular basis. Um, but until then, this has been a wonderful approach. I know you've got a book coming out pretty soon. Um, th- this uh, interview will be played uh, in the early, late summer, early fall, around August, September. Um, how, mu- how much further after that until we get to see uh, your first book? Yeah, the, the book is coming out in spring of 2017, so it'll still be a few months out. Uh, right now, I'm in the process. The publisher has it and is uh, annihilating it in probably the most <laughs> loving way possible. <laughs> and then I'll get it back. And it, it's been such a journey and a process, but super excited about the book. Awesome. Uh, are there any Are there any details about it that you'd like to share? What uh, some of the themes are, or or anything like that? Yeah, the the book is uh, um, the heart of it is just prayer. Basically, what does it look like to talk with God in the midst of life? Um, Again, I, I feel like I'm the most unlikely of people to be a pastor. I'm not mm. a person who's like, you know, out in the trees just sitting with God and whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not a wise Christian that asks for God's help before I need it. Yeah. I'm the typical human being who tries to do life completely on my own, and then when I get to the end of my rope is when I cry out and call out to Him. Mm. I, I'm also the person who's got a, a trillion things to do. In life, just like all of us do, trying to juggle kids and work and school and mowing the lawn and this and that. And it's like, how do you talk with God in the midst of that? Like, what does it look like to, to pray and talk with God in the midst of like reality in many ways? And so it's a super simple approach to prayer um, that I'm really excited about. So just a few months back, I had a guy um, reach out to me. Um, by email and just say, can we get together? I just have something I want to talk about, talk with you about. And I honestly thought I was like, oh, you know, I'm guessing he lost his job or maybe he's having an affair or something like that, which those two things would not be abnormal for me to hear at all. Sure. 
And so we got, we got together and, um, um, I just said, Hey, so what's going on? And he got super nervous. You could tell, like, just even before he asked the question, he's like, well, what I wanted to talk with you about I, I, is, is the fact that I, I don't know how to pray. Mm. And I, and then he got like super nervous energy. He started talking six miles, thousand miles an hour. He's like, <laughs> and I know I should, and I feel stupid. And I grew up in a church and I, I just know everybody else knows how to do this, but I don't know how. And so how do you pray? And so that's exact. I'm like, it was such a cool moment, even for me. Cause it's just like, this is exactly the person, my friend that I would hope would pick it up and begin to speak with the Lord. So yeah, super excited about the book though. And I, I think that kind of approach and, and the obviously compassionate way that you talk about this gentleman and the way that you feel about your community contributes to the effectiveness of your preaching. Uh, because you, you told me in our email conversation ahead of time that you try to see yourself as someone who teaches from within the community, someone that identifies with uh, the people in your community. One of the things that I love is when you introduce yourself, you could easily say, hi, I'm the founding pastor, I'm the lead pastor, I'm the senior pastor, you say I'm one of the pastors, and you use language and illustrations that are broadly accessible, you use we a lot. Can you talk about this approach to communicating with your community? I am, am such a work in progress, and I'm, I'm so grateful that God promises to complete a work in us, because that's something that I find hope in. And so every week, I feel like the person and the fool in the room who needs to hear the message the most is myself. And so honestly, as I'm sharing, even like as I'm preaching, I feel like I'm front row center taking notes. Mm. Like, wow, that's amazing, God. Like, whoa, like that's really true. And every time I go up, um, and this isn't, it's honestly the opposite of the fact that I'm not like, I'm not holy basically. Before I get up almost every time, so I have this little kind of cubby that I come out on the side of our stage. I'm on my knees before every time I come out. And it's just like, God, would you, would you speak to us and would you speak to me? And would you help me to hear these words like I'm hearing it for the first time? And so there's something just like, it's just, I just need to hear it myself. And that's not something that is cliche and I'm trying to connect with the people. It's the truth. And so even as I'm preparing during the week, it's amazing how many times, and I'm, I'm a sap to start with, so it doesn't help, but there'll be times <laughs> when I'm working on my message and I'll, I'll start crying, mm. thinking about it, like just thinking about God's goodness and his faithfulness. Like, I'm like, no way. That's insane. That's crazy. And so literally we'll be moved like to the point of like tears, like just thinking about God. And it's like, um, that's, it's, so it's something I need to hear. And I hope I never preach from a place of like, I've got it all figured out and let me teach you. It's like, no, I don't have it figured out, but I know that God does. And I, I know that I'm lost, but when, when I am lost, he comes and finds me. Mm. And, um, he, he's, when I'm hopeless, he's my hope. And so I think there's, there's just something so powerful and so disarming about that approach too. And I think that's, I think, um, I, I used to think the longer I followed the Lord, the less I would need him because mm. I would have, have figured it out. That was totally the opposite. It's like, <laughs> that was so upside down and backwards. Yeah. The longer I follow the Lord, the more I see my need for him. That's and so great. it's like, I, when I'm 80, I'm going to be like front row center more than ever, like taking notes, like, okay, what was that? Can you repeat that, Pastor? Because I just want to make sure I didn't miss that, you yeah. know? Because it's like uh, just constantly learning more about 
about God and about our need for him. So that's so great. Uh, when I when I first found the podcast stream for your sermons, I saw that the sermons were roughly around twenty minutes long, and I thought, "Oh, these must be clips." Uh, and actually, I saw you know all the different guest speakers, so I thought, "Oh, he's just like he's just summarizing the sermons and then interviewing guests as they come along." But no, like I, I found the videos. That that's it. You, you it's like eighteen to twenty five minutes. You stand behind a music stand. You appear to use notes or a manuscript, and and I and I bring this up because. I know in my head, when I think fastest growing church, my assumption jumps to sort of the Andy Stanley model or even the Adam Hamilton model of 45 minutes, you know, no notes, moving all around a big stage. Uh, and, and I would imagine some of our listeners think this too, that there is no hope to have a big church or a growing church unless I can come off as sort of the, the slickest person. And I, and I, like, this was tough. My wife was like, make sure you phrase this question so it doesn't sound like you're you're not that great at preaching, but you have a big church. I, you are incredible at preaching. You just you just do it in your own way. And so can you speak to the yeah. value and power of, of being authentic? I keep telling our staff, the day we find a good lead pastor, this church is going to go someplace. Because <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so true. And it's honestly something that I've wrestled with within my own soul. I mean, um, even recently, Carrie Newhoff um, did, a, did some blog posts on going noteless. And, and how to noteless preach and teach and speak. And I, I'm like, God, I'm wrestling with that and just mm. what that looks like and how it is. Um, more and more, though, I'm, I actually had a, a communications friend who is very successful in their fields in the line of communication. And I actually brought this, this exact thing up with him, like, God, do you think I should change? Like, and he, he's a person who's very straightforward, so he wasn't being just kind to me. He said, absolutely. He said, Adam, I would, I would never change that actually. Mm. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm trying to change it. Like I'm trying everything to change it. And I still am experimenting with what that looks like. And he said, Adam, you do what you do so well. Why would you change that? He, like, he, uh, he's like, I've loved listening to your messages. It's totally different than what I expected. But he's like, why would you change? Like, why would you change that? And it's like, okay, okay. And I, I think we should constantly work on our craft. Yeah. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to refine it and, and get stronger and whatever. And maybe someday I will be noteless, but um, it, it really is. It's, I, I think it's figuring out, like, who has God wired you and how has he wired you to be? And then leaning into that as much as you possibly can. And, and, and with the, with the noseless music stand, like, I don't know if it'll be there in a couple of years. Maybe it will, maybe it won't be. Um, but it's where I'm at right now. And as far as length, it's so crazy. Um, it, that, that's not because our service times are shorter service times. We run like a 50, 55 minute service mm. tops. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's not governed by that because that's the length I've preached even when we only had one service and there was no balance to service time. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that, I don't know if that's um, something that's come as a result of watching TED Talks or just kind of learning. I think more than anything, it's really just who I am in the communicator mm. and just who I continue to be. It's like, oh, that, that's I kind of get that thought, and that's exactly the length I need to explain kind of that one thought that I hope that people leave with and and can can mull around with. It's like instead of speaking eloquently for 50 minutes and not remembering any of it, it's like, God, if I could share for 20 minutes 
and really get to the heart of the matter yeah. of, of what I think God's saying to us, wow, that would be, that would be great. And so it's something, it's something I'm continuing to figure out. And I actually, when I read it, I laughed, uh, <laughs> good, I laughed good. out loud I'm glad. I heard the question because I thought it was such a great question. Okay, it's good. so true. I'll tell my wife and it, and I succeeded. <laughs> it definitely, t- definitely tell your wife. Okay. And also like, I, I, it's like proof that God can use anybody. Absolutely. That's, that's the thing that, that's it also, because when I read it, I'm like, that's God right there. Mm, like mm-hmm. that, that's why I like the, how do you stay humble and grounded with the church exploding? It's like, cause I realize that none of it is me. Mm. I'm not the biggest skeptic about it. I'm like, how is God using this 34 year old bald dude that could probably lose 10 pounds? Like, <laughs> and so it's like, it's like, it's so true though. Like it's about, it's about God. It's not about us. And so there's something, there's something powerful about that. And there's something restful in that because the pressure is no longer on our shoulders. That's great. Well, in the couple minutes that we have left, I've got a set of questions that we ask all of our guests. And uh, the first one is, are there any um, sermons that you remember being exceptionally difficult to prepare or preach? Or do you have any favorite experiences from preaching and teaching? Yeah, um, I think like hardest, you get, you know, controversial stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, but really for me, we did a series called storms, kind of talking about the storms of life that come our way. Mm. And I, I think that was probably one of the most challenging series for me, um, simply for the fact that I've been through storms in my life, you know? Yeah. And I've also, um, my dad has a health thing that he's going through, been going through the last five years. And, um, it's a storm my family never saw coming and there's a bunch of whys that I have with it. And, you know, I look around the room on any given Sunday and I just know people are going through so much. And so it's like, how do you explain God's heart and how he's with us in storms? Um, and not, um, and not a, you know, a surface level trite answer. And just like, God, God is good. It's like, well, actually God doesn't seem good right now. Yeah. And so I think wrestling with those things and, and I, I think that's where that was also a series that I, I felt like God moved in an incredible way, like just like mm. that. That was a week prep wise. I'm like, Lord, I have nothing to say, but I know that you do, and that's why I kept praying over and over and over. And I felt like that came about. It was just, it was, it was awesome. So it was scary going into it because I'm like, I just don't want to give a bunch of trite answers to a bunch of people who family members are battling cancer, marriages are falling apart, yada yada yada. Yeah. So that was that. Probably one of my favorite series we've ever done is um, two Christmases ago. We did a series called "We're Expecting," and oh, so cool. everything around the series was was talking about expecting a baby. And we had my wife and I had just recently had our our fourth child. I, uh, you can judge me; I judge myself. I can't believe <laughs> I have four kids somehow. But um, so we had just had our kid as well, and so it was so cool to look at Jesus like as like a new parent, you're just like, this is completely crazy. Like Mary gave birth. Like that was the most stressful experience ever as a dad. Like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so it, there was a lot of humor to involve in it and humor. I'm high on humor when it comes to connecting with people. I think people love, um, if I can make someone laugh somehow, some way, I feel like it's like their soul opens up. Yeah. And, and even the greatest skeptic will, will listen. Um, also, kind of the cool things for me has been messages that I've finished 
And it was so clear that they weren't clapping for me. They were clapping for the Lord. Mm, mm-hmm. So we're, we're in a high Lutheran Catholic area. I grew up Lutheran. All my extended family is Catholic. So we are not an expressive <laughs> people here in South Dakota. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it was abnormally crazy just a few times where I've said amen and the congregations clapped. Yeah. And it's just like, wow. Like, and again, it was not me. I'm just a guy with a music stand that has a manuscript. It was totally, it was totally a God moment. So those have been some of my favorite moments or just as you're speaking, it's almost like when you, um, sometimes when you meet with a friend over a cup of coffee, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just the two of us meeting for coffee. Like God is somehow some way present with us right now. You can just feel it. Mm -hmm. You know, just those God moments. There's nothing cooler than when you're preaching and you feel that way. That's great. As you're speaking, as you're speaking, you can sense God is with us. You're like, because it's not just me and a group of people looking at me. Like, there's no question God is present here with us in this moment. And those moments, I think, are, are, are powerful. Yeah. Do you have any uh, preachers, non-preacher communicators, or books that have been influential or that you might recommend folks to check out? Yeah, I, I, I would recommend podcasts, honestly. And whether it's um, someone similar to yourself, um, but also I'd encourage to, to us to listen to, to communicators who are different from us that we respect and, and, and want to learn from. So different people who are similar to just my style, maybe. Um, also, their multi-site is Eaglebrook Church. It's Bob Merritt up in the Twin Cities. Mm. So, so Bob has to address all campuses, and he uses a music stand. And so even just the practicals of that, a lot of times I'll watch his videos just to learn from him and see how he makes the transition. He's been preaching maybe longer than I'm a, I'm a, I've been alive. <laughs> yeah. So it's just cool to watch someone like him. Another pastor and person that I've had a chance to connect with and hang out with is Judah Smith. Mm-hmm. And Judah is an amazing communicator. Um, with his, uh, the things I respect about him is his humor, but also just his, like, I mean, he's speaking truth. Like he, he does a lot of humor at the start, but he does a lot of, a lot of truth as well. So I love, I'm like, how does he weave that in and out? Um, John Weiss is a pastor and, and Southland Christian in Kentucky that I listen to often. Um, so I, I just think listening to communicators, both to be encouraged and, and fed ourselves as pastors, we need to do that but also just to hear the technique and what are they doing and how are they saying that and how do they land the plane instead of crash the plane. And um, so I think just those techniques of listening to someone do it is so helpful. My dad, I worked with him a few summers. He was an electrician and there was nothing more helpful than seeing him like wire an outlet box. You just watch him and watch him and watch him do it. And then he'd say, okay, uh, time for you to, to, to try it. Yeah, and so yeah. Then you then you would try it. And so often I'll be working on a message and I'm like, I cannot figure out a way to transition this thing. So I will literally pick pull up three different messages and get to uh, their closing or their start and listen to how they're doing it and work off that. Oh, that's great. And the last question we have for you is if there are folks that want to follow what you're doing or reach out and say hi, or if they have any questions, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah. If you want to connect with me, the two places that I'm most active and responsive is on Twitter. It's just at Adam Weber, Weber with one B. And also on Instagram, it's at Adam A. Weber. And so I'd be thrilled if you have questions, definitely don't hesitate to to reach out and connect, but that would be the, the simplest way to do so. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today, Adam. We really appreciate your time and your wisdom and sharing about your experience. Oh, just so grateful and just just praying for anybody who's communicating or speaking in any way. Just hope that you're encouraged. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 21 of Art of the Sermon. You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. As always, I would love to hear what you think about the show, and I want your input to be a part of the conversation. So you can connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. If you'd like to support the show, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app so that new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're live. And of course, in addition to sharing the show with your friends, the best way to help us out is to leave a review in the iTunes store. This lets iTunes know that you care about the show and want other people to find it. Our next episode is scheduled to go live on August 18th, and so in just two weeks, you'll get to hear my interview with Sarah Green Carmichael, a senior editor at the Harvard Business Review and host of the HBR IdeaCast. Thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.